Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, the always off-season GM, Fred. And we have a great show for you here today on the Pound the Table podcast. Uh, as always, we're going to dive into our Week 8 review. Then we're also going to make our Week 9 picks. And we got a fun episode here where we at the end we, we go through some of our preseason picks and do a, a mid-season check-in on them and see how some of our picks are faring against currently the betting favorites. So, great show. Make sure we stay tuned here. So, before we get into our usual look back at week eight in the or excuse me week eight in the NFL, we're gonna we had some breaking news yesterday, and I just wanted to make sure we got our our take in on it. And Von Miller uh, gets shipped from the Denver Broncos to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for a second and a third round pick in this year's upcoming draft, two thousand twenty two. And the Denver Broncos also agreed to pay a large portion of his salary. I believe it's like $9 million of his like 9.7 remaining. So basically the Rams get an all-pro, Pro Bowl uh, level pass rusher to add to their already stout defense in exchange for two up, a second and a third in the upcoming draft. And really uh, the compensation isn't bad uh, when you think about it. Most likely, if Vaughn would have left via free agency this offseason, you're seeing a guy that's you're probably going to get a third round pick in exchange for a comp pick. So, getting the second rounder is a little bit sweeter. Uh, I'm not sure if they could have netted a first round pick with him not having any additional years on his contract. Uh, that, that's the only thing that I could see uh, possibly making this a little bit better if you could somehow turn it into a first round pick, but I don't know if that was even an option with his age. And uh, his contract situation. So the Rams kind of get a steal here. You kind of get a, a super high-level pass rusher when he's healthy. And another piece on your defense. I mean, Aaron Donald's already soaking up double and triple teams on the regular. Well, what are you, you going to do now that you got Von Miller out there? Von Miller is no slouch. He's one of the best pass rushers of the last 20 years. So I love the trade for the Los Angeles Rams. It's another all-in move. They, they continue to just devalue draft picks which is completely crazy to me but it, it seems to be working for them and they're, they're going all in on their Super Bowl window with Matthew Stafford now on the flip side is where I get a little bit confused here with Denver Denver's four and four in their and in, in third in their division uh the current division leaders Las Vegas Raiders they were on by this week I believe they're five and two and right behind them is the Chargers who are four and three so they're a half game behind the Chargers and that would put them about a game and a half behind the Las Vegas Raiders. And in my opinion, that is by no means out of this playoff race. And we've all seen what this defense can be when they're playing at their best. They're a top five unit. And top five units help win you football games. And we haven't even seen Bradley Chubb play with Von Miller. So we haven't even seen the this defense operate at its peak yet. And... I know they have Teddy Bridgewater, but if you look at the rest of that offense, there's a lot of weapons. Uh, I know KJ Hamler's hurt right now. You got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy's coming back, Noah Fant, uh, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. Uh, It's a dangerous team. Uh, I think if they could put it all together, I mean, even on its worst day, as long as Teddy Bridgewater manages the game and the defense plays lights out, you can hang with just about any team in the NFL. Uh, 
And I firmly believe that. And that's why I didn't like the trade. I feel like you're, you're throwing in the towel early. Like, this is a trade I think you see the Jacksonville Jaguars make. This is a trade that you see the Miami Dolphins make. Uh, this is a trade that you see the Houston Texans make where they start trading off all their uh, expiring contracts, get some draft picks in the upcoming draft, help help their rebuild, help to the rebuild. And I, I think that this team, I'm not expecting great things out of them. But if you get in the playoffs and you're ten and seven, you win your division. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, there's not there's not always a lot of parity in this league, and that's just why I don't like them not going all in on this this little. I'm not going to say call it a window, but not going all in on this season. So great trade for the Rams. Uh, it's an all right trade for the Broncos. Not necessarily my favorite. So look at taking a look back now at the storylines from week eight. We had we had some really great ones, and the one that I'm going to lead off with here, and and you can call me a fan, uh, or biased here, I guess is the word I'm looking at, but I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers defeating the undefeated Arizona Cardinals, and the Packers ended up beating Arizona on Thursday night football, twenty four to twenty one. And honestly, I I didn't think they were going to win this game. And if you do the roll call, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. The Packers are without their top three wide receivers. Their left, their starting left tackle, who's an all-pro, by the way. Their, excuse me, their number one pass rusher, their top two corners, and then their starting tight end towards ACL midway through this game. And I don't really know what else you're going to ask of Aaron Rodgers at this point. This guy is, like, not even human. He's, they win the football game against a team that is widely de- believed to be like the number one team in football with how they played through the first seven weeks. They were undefeated, the remaining undefeated undefeated team. And the Green Bay Packers took them down another notch. And when you take a look at the box score, they were almost even in total yardage. And even third down efficiency, fourth down efficiency was pretty was pretty close as well too. But the real difference you're going to see here is going to be in the turnover margin. You're seeing two teams that vastly played different when it came to taking care of the football. And the Arizona Cardinals ended up having two picks and a fumble, which is minus three. Packers ended up having none, which also helped them maintain or stay in this football game. So minus three in the turnover battle for the Arizona Cardinals. And then you also take a look at the time possession. Green Bay dominated the clock, having plus 15 minutes. So when you just get down to it, though, the tail of the tape here is you can stay in football games if you protect the football and you get first downs, and that's what Green Bay did. And they got the biggest play of the game when it mattered the most. On the game-winning drive, they get a pick in the end zone. A.J. Green doesn't look for the ball. So I think that this shows you that as long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy, as long as Aaron Rodgers is dealing with the football and taking care of it, which he's done throughout his entire career, the Green Bay Packers will be a threat. Uh, it doesn't matter if their defense is playing on one leg or if it's playing on two. And Hopefully they'll be getting Devontae Adams back here pretty soon. It seems like Alan Lazard's going to come off of the COVID list. Marcus Valdez-Scanling's real close. Uh, but we'll see in terms of what, what they can do here to get some support around Aaron Rodgers. But I, I definitely think that it's his show, and we're all just kind of kind of watching it. So the Green Bay Packers taking out the Arizona Cardinals, number one storyline from last week. Moving right along into the next game, it's going to be the, excuse me, the Bengals 
getting taken down by the New York Jets, 31 to 34. And really, I this is a a parlay ruiner across all of sports gambling, and it it hurt me. This is the only one that I needed to hit that didn't, as I had the Bengals money line on my safe parlay, and it definitely wasn't safe. But really, the Bengals played impressive, or excuse me, the the Jets, the Jets, I apologize, played really impressive in this game. Uh, Mike White looked like a, a seasoned vet out there instead of a guy that's never started a football game before. And they were en route to the win. They were 511 yards to the Bengals, 318, uh, pretty much dominating both facets, passing and rushing the game. And then also when you take a look at it, the, the Jets had a ton of turnovers. Uh, at one point they were down on 11 points, I believe, and they were actually minus three in turnovers, and the Bengals were minus one. So you take a look at it, that ends up, the Bengals win the turnover battle, but they lose pretty much everywhere else. So the Jets really get a good win. A little concerning that Zach Wilson wasn't the one that was engineering it, but, I mean, you're going to have that with rookies. It's not like he's going to be completely dominant right off the bat. But, I mean, you get a a high-quality win with a guy like Mike White who steps in and throws for 405 yards, three TDs, and two picks. Just, I don't... Words can't explain it. it that the the Shanahan uh, Lafleur offense here continues to just churn in these backup QBs and make them look extremely competent and get big wins. Uh, take a look at Nick Mullins or you know C.J. Beathard over in San Francisco these last couple of years. So, just an absolute stunner. Uh, this this is coming off the heels of a week where we thought the Bengals were going to be a bona fide contender. They had been in the lead for the one seed in the AFC. They were in control of their own destiny in the AFC North after beating the Baltimore Ravens. And now we're looking at them beating one of the worst teams in, or losing to one of the worst teams in the AFC. And we're kind of left with a ton of questions about them. So New York Jets outlast the Cincinnati Bengals for our second storyline. Which brings us to our third storyline here this week, and it's going to be the New Orleans Saints closing out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, in this, the final score of that game is 36-27 Saints. And really, the, the tale of this game is when you look at the box score, the, it seems like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dominated. They had just a hair less in time of possession, seven minutes. They were 421 yards at the Saints, 361 and really, third down efficiency was pretty pretty good. Eight for thirteen is over five or fifty percent beating the Saints. Uh, the name of the game here is going to be turnovers and costly ones at that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were minus three in the turnover battle, which means the Saints are plus three. And on the most important drive of the game, when they gave the ball back to Tom Brady, I think it was less than two minutes left in the game, less than three minutes, something like that. And we're all thinking, here we go again. He's down by, it was like, I think three at that point. Yeah, it was like three, four points. So they needed like a score to win, field goal to tie. And we've seen this story before. Tom Brady trots out, makes the game-winning drive. He's a hero. And right away he comes out, throws a pick six, game's over. You're down by nine. It's a two-score game, less than two minutes left. And 
that's just the name of the game. You can't turn the ball over, uh, especially in that situation. Pick six. So the Saints get a really good win. Uh, Jameis Winston goes down with a really ugly knee injury in this game. So, you know, prayers up to him. Uh, but he was having a pretty decent season. And he was a competent uh, signal caller for the, the New Orleans and the Sean Payton offense. But we'll get a chance to see what Taysom Hill can do here. It sounds like he's coming back from concussion protocol. Uh, Trevor Simeon actually stepped in and helped win the football game uh, pretty much here. And that's pretty much all you can ask for your backup quarterback going against the world champs. So it's a huge win for the Saints, really. That keeps him firmly in the playoff picture. But uh, really, this is a bad loss for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in my opinion. This is one that they should have had. Uh, this is one against a Division Four that's really going to come back to kind of bite you in the butt. And really, it it showed that there are some chinks in the armor, that uh, it's it's not completely foolproof here. So Tampa Bay looking a little bit more mortal and that they can take some shots here. And hopefully they can they can come back this week. But I think it's more about what the Saints did to win this game and then it is about what the Bucks did to lose the game. So, leading right into our fourth storyline here, it's going to be the New England Patriots outlasting the Los Angeles Chargers. And this was another surprising game to me, just because I honestly thought that, excuse me, that the Patriots were finally going to, like, or excuse me, the Chargers were finally going to, like, firmly grasp the AFC West. I think that they were far and away the better, te- the best team in the AFC West with how they've played through um, seven weeks. And then they come out here, and they end up losing the tough one to the New England Patriots. And really, I thought that the, this game was going to be, like, a, a ground-and-pound game by New England. And when you take a look at it, it was, it was pretty much even. And a field goal game, most field goal games are going to be even. Uh, the Chargers end up having one additional turnover more than the Patriots did. When they had, uh, they had two picks, Patriots had one fumble lost. So they're minus one. There's, there's one attribute that's going to contribute to this loss. But also you take a look at the time of possession, and that's where the rushing game really paid off. Just because... They're pretty much even in net rushing yards, but the Patriots were able to control the clock with their running game once they got the ball. And Damian Harris had a pretty good game for the New England Patriots, 80 yards on 23 carries and a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Boulder, Manje Stevenson, each adding in 26 and 25 yards. So they were pretty dominant on the ground, in my opinion, which really is what they need to do. This is their formula for success here, is win games with your defense, and then also limit Max, uh, take the game out of Max's hands. Don't have to make him make plays because Mac Jones is a capable quarterback. He does a great job managing the game for a rookie, in my opinion. And he's not quite to that level yet where you can give him the ball and ask him to just spin it and make things happen uh, like a top 5, 10 quarterback in the league. If you're going to ask a rookie to do that, really any rookie, you're not going to be sitting well. So really dominating the, the ground game. Playing great defense and winning the time of possession battle is what's going to keep winning the games for the New England. Pa- oh, excuse me, the New England Patriots here. On the flip side, the Chargers. Really, this it's you're on a two game skid here now, and it's starting to get a little concerning, just because you don't want to fall too far behind in the AFC West. What's What's also good is I think they're either 
no, they're a half game ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Chiefs win on Monday night, so they start to make up some ground. So now you're trailing only the Las Vegas Raiders, but now you have the former Super Bowl representative of the AFC creeping up on your back doorstep here now. And they need to start winning some football games here to keep themselves in the playoff race here. And with the division being wide open, it really helps them. But having a two-game skid here, we got we got to kind of figure out what the identity is here. Uh, Justin Jackson, three carries, 79 yards. Air, or Austin Eckler, 11 carries, 64 yards. So you, you did pretty good on the ground. Um, but the, the two picks by Justin Herbert is just something that we can't have. You can't be able to turn the ball over. Uh, he needs to play better. He needs to play like he did the first uh, seven, or excuse me, five to six weeks of the season. We got to get this defense back on track. So that's going to be our fourth storyline: the New England Patriots over the Los Angeles Chargers. Our fifth and final storyline is going to be. The week of the backup quarterback here is still taking over, and it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys getting a win over the Minnesota Vikings, 20-16. And really, I I don't know how this game happens. Uh, all week, uh, Dak Prescott was, excuse me, questionable with a calf injury. They said they were going to work him out pregame, and reports were that he looked really good pregame, and they thought he was going to play until they played the game and he wasn't suited up he's in street clothes on the sideline so we get the the Cooper Rush show and Cooper Rush uh central Michigan quarterback never made a start in the NFL uh honestly I had no idea who the guy was until pretty much kickoff yesterday or throughout the week when they were just kind of mentioning his name as a backup but if he plays like he did on Sunday night they can keep playing them as long as they want because now they have like almost an insurmountable lead in the NFC East here. It's their it's their show at this point. And they get a quality win against the Minnesota Vikings team that many thought were going to be a wild card team. And now I just have a ton of questions about whether Mike Zimmer can even actually even keep this job or not. But tail of the tape here, they lose a turnover battle. They're minus two for the Dallas Cowboys. But they outgained the, the Minnesota Vikings significantly, almost by 150 yards, as they had 419 to the Vikings, 278. And they just barely squeaked out a win at the time of possession battle, uh, 32 and a half minutes to 27 and a half. And really, when you're watching this game, they had some big-time shot plays. Uh, there was one to Cedric Wilson that I seen. It was like a 73-yard touchdown catch. That was really impressive. And... These are the games that like are impressive for a backup quarterback. This is why you have a good backup quarterback is, hey, we don't need to pressure our starter into coming back too early. We don't need to ask him to be Superman. Dak Prescott is an MVP candidate when he's healthy. And if you rush him back too early, you're going to lose him for the rest of the season. So this is it. Getting wins like this gives your your coaching staff confidence and building up your backup and letting you ease your starter back in from a uh, a lingering, uh, nagging injury like Dak Prescott has. Honestly, after seeing him play this week, why not just roll Cooper Rush out there again next week? You get another win, and you get another week off on Dak's uh, ailing leg. Then you get him back, and you're making sure he's 100% the week after. So honestly, if I'm a coaching staff, that's the way I'm looking at this. Uh, on the flip side of things, the Minnesota Vikings – 
I don't know where to go with this team. They have an extremely dynamic offense, and the, this Cowboys defense has been playing better, but this is by no means a team that should be holding you the 16 points, especially with the with what's going on in their, their flip side of the ball. I know Trayvon Diggs does a good job getting takeaways, but he's like top five in the league in giving up yardage, and we just they couldn't exploit that. Uh, Kirk Cousins was, I don't 150 yards maybe. I got the stats right here. I'll take a look. 184 yards and a touchdown. And Dalvin Cook has 78 yards on the ground. So, I mean, there's nothing. There's no eye-popping numbers here. Uh, honestly, I they made the, the Dallas, they made the Dallas defense look like it was a top-10 unit in the league. So, I don't know. Kirk Cousins has got to play better than this. He's got to be able to play better than this, especially on Sunday Night Football in a big game like this. Uh, it leads me to question whether or not Mike Zimmer's lost his team or not. If He's been around for, it's almost eight years now. I think he's in his eighth season. And what are they doing here? It's There's just an uninspired team. This is There's a ton of talent on this team, and they're playing uninspired. And I just think that every week we get a little bit closer to him losing his job, and this might have been the, the straw that broke the camel's back here. So that's going to be our fifth storyline, the Dallas Cowboys uh, getting a big win on Sunday night football. We almost forgot to do our uh, weekly Jameis Winston Unlikely Hero of the Week. And honestly, it, I feel kind of bad this week with Jameis going down. Uh, he's really not going to get a chance to continue to live up to his unlikely hero status. So prayers up to that guy. I really hope he's going to be better soon. He's he's quite the character, and it's, it's, a, it's a shame that he doesn't get to finish out this season with the New Orleans Saints. But in his honor, as always... We're going to pick a unlikely hero of the week. And this week, I think it was a pretty pretty simple one this week. It's going to be Mike White, the backup quarterback for the New York Jets. Mike White ended up beating the number one seeded AFC in the AFC Bengals and ended up throwing for 405 yards and three touchdowns with only two interceptions. And really, that that's quite the stat line. I mean, that's a stat line we haven't even seen Zach Wilson throw up. And really, the Bengals, up until that week, had been like a top 10 defense in the league. So this is all adding up to be something that's very, very impressive and against an opponent that's a presumptive uh, playoff opponent. So, I mean, it's good news for the Jets. They're coming along pretty well. A little concerning that it wasn't their second overall pick that did it. But nonetheless, it's it's always great to see these stories, and it's great to see a backup guy that doesn't get a lot of shots really take advantage of the one that he finally did get. So, Mike White, your Jameis Winston Unlikely Hero of the Week. Moving right along, we're looking ahead to week nine of NFL action. It'll be leaded off with the Thursday night football game of the Jets at the Indianapolis Colts. And the Jets coming off a big win against Cincinnati on a short week against the Indianapolis Colts, who lost a tough one this past, or excuse me, just got to double check that I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I thought they lost the OT thriller to the Titans this last week. So, the Colts get the home turf advantage here, and I think they're going to be able to rally after a very tough loss to the Titans. And the Jets, I'm not sure if everybody was ready for the Mike White show, but they will be ready this week. And with the short week action, it's going to be tough to really get a game plan in place that's going to suit Mike White's strengths. So I'm going to roll with the Indianapolis Colts at home here. Which leads us into our Sunday action. We get the Las Vegas Raiders at the New York Giants. The New York Giants look really competitive against the Kansas City Chiefs team that just can't quite seem to find their footing. 
And the Raiders are coming off a bye week here in which they've looked really good the last couple weeks. And I think they're going to keep it rolling. I think they're going to keep this magic rolling under Visaccia against the New York Giants. And really, I'm just not that impressed with the New York Giants offense. It just leaves a lot to be desired, especially with that wide receiver room taking a hit. And Saquon Barkley looking like he isn't quite ready to come back yet. So I'm going to go with Derek Carr and company to get a win on Sunday. Which leads us into the divisional matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. And the Falcons took a tough loss this last week while the the Saints had a very tough win. Uh, A huge win over the, the fellow Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it didn't come without a cost as they lost their starting quarterback, Jameis Winston, for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. It was a pretty gruesome injury. If you haven't seen it, I wouldn't recommend looking it up online. But I think this is going to be a classic trap game here, especially with your quarterback missing. You're coming off a huge emotional win, and the Atlanta Falcons have looked like competent at times, but at the same time, their defense is absolutely atrocious. So whether it's Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill under center, I'm not sure who. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Atlanta Falcons here on the road, getting a big win after a, a big let- letdown from the Saints, we're predicting. Bringing us into the next game here, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Buffalo Bills are just an absolute well-oiled machine. There's no stopping them at this point. They have the MVP favorite in Josh Allen. Uh, not giving away any hints to our later segment here. But I'm going to be taking the, the Buffalo Bills. I, I just think this is a complete mismatch. It's, it's going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly fast. Uh, Jaguars lost to a Seahawks team this past week who is without their starting quarterback. We're starting Geno Smith, and they still got blown out of the water by multiple scores. So Buffalo Bills in a route on Sunday. Which brings us into a another divisional showdown here with the Browns and the Bengals. It's going to be Cleveland at Cincinnati, uh, interstate rivals. And really, the Bengals had a really tough loss this week. Uh, I, there's no defense in losing to the New York Jets at this point, especially when you were, the at the time, the number one seed in the AFC. I still think that it it's one of those get-right games. It's one of them gut checks where it's like, hey, maybe we're not quite as good as we think we are. We got to refocus our energy here and really be able to bring it the next week. So I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals over the Cleveland Browns, and uh, just to get into the Browns a little bit here, I just I really don't like their offense with both of those running backs nicked up. I, I believe Nick Chubb played last week, but they couldn't quite get the running game going. Baker Mayfield looks like a shell of his former self. I know he's really trying hard to gut this injury out, but it might be best for him to sit on the sideline as. He, he recovers here and gets back to full health. So I'm going Cincinnati Bengals in a bounce-back game at home. Bringing us into the Patriots at Panthers game. And this one is a showdown of the early season favorites, or excuse me, the early season darlings to the late, uh, as of late darlings. And the Panthers... They get a win last week against the Falcons, division rival, in a real close game, but they just they haven't been able to put up points like they had earlier in the seasons when they were facing a little bit lesser competition. And the defense hasn't looked as great either, as or as fast and as great as it did earlier in the season. As the Patriots are kind of finding their identity and they're they're able to really hit their stride here as of late. And Mac Jones is looking more and more like the presumptive rookie of the year. Also, not giving away our next segment here, but. I'm going to go with the Patriots on the road at the Panthers. I really think 
the Patriots are going to hit their stride here. I think they're going to rattle off a few wins. I think they really found their identity on offense, being able to manage the games and play some tough defense. And the Panthers are still searching. It's still up in the air whether or not Christian McCaffrey plays. I don't know if it even really matters at this point. So I'm rolling Patriots over the Panthers. And in the next game, it's going to be the Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys are looking like a well-oiled machine right now. And honestly, if Dak plays in this one, I'm taking them in a landslide, especially with the Denver shipping out their best defensive player. But if Cooper Rush plays, I think this is much more of a game. It's much more competitive. Either way, I'm rolling with the Dallas Cowboys. Their defense is looking average to above average, looking vastly improved over last season. And we all know what their offense is. It's top five in the league whenever Dak's healthy. Even without him, they'll still be able to get Zeke going, and they got a whole cast of wide receivers, especially with Cedric Wilson looking very good this past week, showing some rapport with Cooper Rush. And on the flip side, the Denver Broncos... I said this on Twitter this week, and I just I don't quite get what they're doing. Uh, you're like a game and a half out of first place in the AFC West that looks wide open, and that's considering like the Chiefs being in like third or fourth here. And your division winner just fired their head coach two weeks ago and is five and two. So I'm not really sure what what they're trying to do here. I would have rolled out that defense and tried to make a good playoff push. And who knows what happens when you get there? You have a real tough, stingy defense. That looks good late in the year. You never know. You can be a little bit frisky in the playoffs. And at this point, they're just, it almost kind of looks like they're mailing it in. So I'm going to roll the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Which brings us to our next game. It's going to be the Minnesota Vikings at the Baltimore Ravens. And in this game, I'm rolling with the Ravens. I'm just going to lead off with that. Just because we know what the Ravens are. We know that they're going to be a very competitive team with Lamar. I have no idea what the Vikings are. They have some of the best offensive pieces in the league, but you can only put 16 points on an average NFL defense on a primetime Sunday night game this past week against a backup quarterback. Not exactly sure what to make of them. Uh, The defense hasn't looked that great, and Mike Zimmer is at this point coaching for his job. Um, I'm just waiting for the news to come down any time here. I just I, I don't get how he wouldn't be on the hot seat at this point. Uh, I think another nail in the coffin might be another loss to the Baltimore Ravens here in the next week. So I'm rolling Lamar and company over the Vikings. Bringing us to our most unwatchable game of the week. And every week we find one of these. And I'm... I'm I'm planting my flag right here. This is going to be it. It's going to be the Houston Texans at the Miami Dolphins. And amid all the the trade chaos this past week, it was reported that Stephen Ross was granted permission, Stephen Ross being the owner of the Miami Dolphins, granted permission to speak with Deshaun Watson. And if you're to a tongue by law, what does that say to you? It just seems like an organization that doesn't want you. It's, It's an organization in disarray. looks like an organization that has one win so I mean here we are still having this discussion and Deshaun Watson is still playing for the team you're going against this week and not on your team so I honestly don't know who to pick here Dolphins are one of my preseason favorites so I'm going to roll with them especially with them being at home here I thought that they had potential to be a double digit win team this year and boy was I wrong they are terrible but I don't think they're quite as bad as the Houston Texans on their worst day. So I'm rolling Miami Dolphins over to Houston Texans. 
Which brings us to the late afternoon slate of games, and it's going to be the Los Angeles Chargers at the Philadelphia Eagles. And a get-right game cannot come sooner for the Los Angeles Chargers as the Eagles come to, or as they go to Philadelphia. And the Eagles just look like they have no identity. They look like they're almost kind of tanking at this point. There's a lot of rumors floating around whether or not Hurts is the guy. They rattled off a really nice win against Detroit, though. But, I mean, Detroit is just, they're Detroit. Nobody's expecting a lot from them. So the Los Angeles Chargers on the flip side has some, had some really high hopes. They were some early they were the early season early year darlings and they kind of hit a road bump as of late losing a couple in a row. But I think they're going to get right here. They're just vastly vastly more talented than this Eagles team. This Eagles team is still young. They still have a lot of holes on the roster. Charges are overall more complete, and especially if Herbert plays his best game, this should be close. Which brings us to one of the, the better games of the, the Sunday slate here. It's going to be the Green Bay Packers at the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Kansas City Chiefs get a, a big win. They get a bounce back, even though it was, it was quite ugly with Patrick Mahomes throwing a pick or a couple picks. And the Green Bay Packers got a huge win against the last undefeated team this last week. And it just seems like this team is like uber focused and they're coming off this little mini buy and you see all the players on the team reaching out talking about how they're being disrespected and maybe they're just good and like I'm buying in I think they're good I've been saying this since the preseason the Aaron Rodgers drama was overblown and that the fact that they're winning with like how many guys they're missing is just absolutely crazy it seems like some of these guys are going to get healthy eventually they're going to start getting some of these guys back in the lineup um, hopefully Devontae Adams can get a couple negative COVID tests and get back in there. And I think they'll really be able to light the scoreboard up if he does. So I'm rolling the Green Bay Packers over the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. And we get another divisional matchup here with the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. And the San Francisco 49ers uh, get a win against a reeling Chicago Bears team. Uh, Justin Fields looked really frisky in that game. But it wasn't quite enough to lead him past the Niners. The Niners had a very uh, deadly run game with Elijah Mitchell. Really looking like a surprise breakout guy here. For a former six-round pick this past draft, nobody's really expected much from the guy. And in typical Kyle Shanahan fashion, he's lit up the scoreboard. On the flip side, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, it's going to be a huge opportunity for him here to to win against the 49ers where they've they've had some serious trouble in years past. And really, I think that this could be a big game in the division standings here. They can get a win and take a big lead here. And sitting at one loss, you got to keep your distance from the Los Angeles Rams. You got to be able to keep pace. You can't lose these games here. This is one of the most important ones because once you square off with the Rams, it's going to be no holds barred. It's going to be top dog against top dog. So you got to get everyone you can before you get to them. And I think they have a great opportunity here. I think they're going to bounce back. This Niners team isn't quite as good either as I thought they were going to be. I thought that they'd be the leader in the doghouse in the West, and they're not quite there. I think this defense still has some holes. I think Kyler Murray's going to be able to exploit it. So I'm rolling Cardinals over the Niners, which leads us into the late game on Sunday. And it's going to be the Tennessee Titans at the Los Angeles Rams. And honestly, this this would have had a lot more sizzles if uh, Derrick Henry was going to be playing. But sidelined with a foot surgery that's going to mostly cost him his season. 
Uh, I, I think that the L.A. Rams, especially at home here, are going to be the favorites. It, it's tough to go against them, especially after getting Von Miller. Hopefully they can get him up to speed for the game and he can make some impact. But I just think the Rams are just so talented on the offensive side of the ball. And with these with that addition on defense, on top already having Ramsey and Aaron Donald, I think they're almost invincible at this point. So I'm going to roll Los Angeles Rams over the Tennessee Titans. Which brings us to our Monday night showdown, and it's going to be the Chicago Bears at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of this game, just because the Bears are almost unwatchable on offense if it wasn't for Justin Fields just doing some crazy things every now and then. And they showed a little bit more life this week. They let, they kind of let played uh, his his strengths here with Matt Nagy missing the game, which is which is sorry to say, it's sad to say at this point. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, are just a much better football team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that's no, that's not a, a slight against Chicago because they do still have a stingy defense. I just think overall that front seven with Pittsburgh is just much more young and much more spry and a, able to be a little bit more competitive in the box there. And it's gonna it's gonna pay off in the back and the excuse me in the defensive backfield as well too, and on offense I just think that there's more. Well, what's the word I'm looking for here? There's more stability. You know what you're getting. Big Ben is we know he doesn't have much of an arm anymore, but I think he's got to be able to be self aware and know that he's just got to manage this game. He's got these are must win games for these guys, and I think that they're gonna get a must win here on Monday night especially with uh, Tomlin being the better football coach in this one. So that's going to be our picks for this week. As always, we're probably going to throw together a money line parlay. Hopefully we don't get <laughs> burned on a stinker like we did with uh, Cincinnati last week. But uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, let us know if any of our picks are absolutely nuts. And with that, we'll get right into our next segment here. So with it being 17 games this year, it's a little bit tough to decide when to do mid uh the midweek check-in, but we're going to go It's at about eight and a half weeks here in between eight and nine. So we're going to call this mid-season and we're going to do a mid-season check-in on basically all of the mid-season or the end of the season awards that we predicted and our division winners. So we'll start off with the awards mainly because that's what I got pulled up at the moment here. And the first one that we're going to go through is going to be coach of the year. So what we're going to do is we're going to give who our preseason pick was and who the betting favorite is currently. And th- this isn't for gambling purposes or anything like that. It's uh, it's mainly just to give you a gauge on who's the leader in the clubhouse at the moment. And as always, uh, this is courtesy of betonline.ag. So currently, the betting favorite to win coach of the year is Mike McCarthy via BetOnline. And our preseason pick was Brandon Staley. And really, I I can't argue with Mike McCarthy being the favorite here. They they really tanked out last year after losing Dak and ended up going seven and nine, and currently have a huge lead in the NFC East. And in my defense, in the preseason, I had said that the winner of the NFC East is going to win Coach of the Year just just due to the the vast turnaround you're going to see with it being a losing record, winning it last year. If you even had ten wins this year, you're going to see a four game turnaround, and it's going to be Coach of the Year worthy. So Mike McCarthy, no surprise to be the leader in the clubhouse there. But our pick, uh, Brandon Staley, is currently tied for third with the best odds. So it's not like he's that far out of it. 
uh, he, he's right there in the thick of it. They had a little bit of a speed bump lately, which is probably why his odds are taking a little bit of a hit. But I still think that they can turn this around. They still got four wins, three losses. They can put together a good string of games here and get back in contention. So we're still sitting pretty good there. Which leads us right into our next award, and it's going to be the MVP. So our preseason pick was Josh Allen. And currently Josh Allen, if you, uh, you were paying attention in the first segment, or excuse me, the second segment where we were picking our predictions, Josh Allen is the current uh, favorite to win MVP. And I think that's more a testament to the Bills as an overall whole. Just mainly because when you take a look at the stats, Josh, uh, excuse me, Josh Allen currently is about... 12th in passing yardage, which really isn't that high up there. And when you take a look at the passing touchdowns, he's sitting at about 7th or 6th. So it's not like he's throwing up some crazy numbers. But the Bills are just winning football games, and they're winning them in dominating fashion. They have a couple of losses, and they're not necessarily that bad of losses to the Steelers and the Titans. But their wins have been pretty impressive. So Josh Allen's still the leader in the clubhouse there for the MVP and it was actually our preseason pick as well. So that brings us into our next award here, and it's going to be Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I, I'm honestly just going to skip the Offensive Player of the Year, mainly just because normally it's going to be the Offensive Player of the Year is going to be your MVP, just because it's normally an offensive player. So currently our Defensive Player of the Year betting favorite well actually i'll give you ours first our defensive player of the year in the preseason was aaron donald uh it's it's kind of the chalky pick he's won a couple of them in his career and honestly just i think he's the best defensive player in the league hands down his day-to-day play-to-play snap-to-snap impact is just absolutely nuts and he's worthy of this award every single year he plays it's just a matter of if the the, the voters get a little bit tired of it and really He's currently got the third best odds, and the the current favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year is Miles Garrett, edge defender of the Cleveland Browns. And Miles Garrett is definitely a, a worthy of this selection because he's been out of this world lately. He's the heart and soul of that Cleveland defense, and he's currently leading the NFL in sacks. And he's just an absolute freak of nature. So I can't quite go against, I can't buck them for saying that he's the leader in the clubhouse here, but. I agree that he's definitely far and away probably the defensive player of the year favorite at this point. Moving right along here into the next award, it's going to be Offensive Rookie of the Year, and our selection in the preseason was Mac Jones. And Mac Jones currently is the second favorite at the moment, and really I think that I don't really understand why he's the second favorite because normally this is a quarterback-driven award. But the current favorite is Jamar Chase, and he's actually got he's got negative odds, which means he's a heavy favorite here. And if we just take a look at last year with the season Justin Jefferson put up, I find it hard to believe a wide receiver is going to win this award, especially if Mac Jones keeps winning football games. So if you are a betting person in a, a legal gambling state, maybe this is the time for you to start hitting that uh, Mac Jones plus 275 because I, I think that they're going to rattle off some wins here and he's going to really start making some noise in this race. But really, it's a close second. Jamar Chase, first place. So another solid pick on our part. 
And I feel I still feel pretty confident about that one. We're going to end up skipping the comeback player of the year just because there is an odds present currently for betonline.ag for comeback player of the year. But we had ended up selecting uh, Christian McCaffrey in the preseason just because of the, the bananas numbers he puts up when he's healthy and he's in the lineup. And really, I think the leader in the clubhouse there has got to be Dak Prescott. But like I said, there, there's no odds out there, so I don't want to dive too much into that. But, I mean, considering Dak's pretty much in line and got some of the best odds to win MVP this year, I think he's definitely in the running and probably the leader in the clubhouse there as well. So shifting over to the team side of things, we're going to go through our division leaders that we predicted and the current, uh, excuse me, the current division leaders. We'll start in the AFC and in the AFC East, currently, the Buffalo Bills are the leader in the clubhouse. And they got about a game and a half lead on the, the New England Patriots. And in the preseason, we had also selected the Buffalo Bills to pretty much dominate the AFC East. And no surprise there that they've done pretty much just that. So I don't want to spend too much time on them. They're pretty much a top five offense and defense on both sides of the ball. So I really like the their possibilities at maintaining this pace and winning the East outright by the end of the year and really being in contention for that number one seed. Shifting over to the AFC North, our early season prediction was for the Baltimore Ravens to take control and win the AFC North. And really taking a look at it as it currently stands, they are in the lead by a half game of the AFC North. And they have the best player, in my opinion, in the AFC North with Lamar Jackson. So I feel pretty comfortable about their odds to really maintain that. And the defense, they lost a lot of key pieces with a lot of injuries this year. And really, it's it's going to be tough to really win out there. But normally good players win football games. And when you have the best one on your team, it's really easy to do that. I can I should mention that it's still pretty competitive top to bottom as the Browns are sitting in last place at four and four, only about a game and a half behind the the Baltimore Ravens. So worth noting that it's still pretty it's still pretty close in that division, but the Ravens have taken an early season lead. Shifting over to the AFC South, our preseason prediction had the Colts winning the AFC South in pretty much an ugly fashion. And really, there was no disappointment that it's going to be ugly in the AFC South. But a little bit of a surprise here that the Tennessee Titans are sitting at 6-2. and two. Uh, I don't ex- necessarily expect them to keep that pace, just mainly because they just lost pretty much the best running back of the last decade to a season-long injury here with Derrick Henry going out with a foot surgery. But nonetheless, the Tennessee Titans have a commanding lead on the AFC South. It's three games. It's going to be tough to make that up, even if they are struggling to win football games. They still have a ton of talent on that offense with Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. And the defense is, continues to be porous. But when you view who they're going against, who their competition is here in the same division, I don't see it unlikely that they can't maintain this. So worth noting, the Colts are three games back. Uh, they've been... Pretty ugly on the offensive side of the ball here with Carson Wentz kind of being a turnover machine like he's been in years past. So I don't ex- exactly expect him to be a threat, maybe for the wild card, but just in terms of the division as a whole, I'm sticking. I'm, I think the Tennessee Titans can can really outlast them, and that preseason prediction is not looking very good on our part. And when we roll over to the AFC West, this is where we're going to get 
things are going to get a little dicey here. Uh, pretty much everybody and their brother had picked the Kansas City Chiefs to be the leader in the clubhouse here. And as it currently stands, they're tied for last place with the Denver Broncos. Not by much. They're only game and a half out. But the leader in the clubhouse, shockingly, the Las Vegas Raiders. And considering that they lost their head coach due to this absolutely crazy scandal midseason, and they continue to win football games and get a lead here in the in the AFC West, while be it slim, they're only a game ahead of the Chargers. But they're really been one of the biggest surprises in the NFL this year. Derek Carr was really an MVP candidate. And I, I was buying hype early in the year that he, he'd really turned his game around. It was really playing uh, some great football. And the defense, while it wasn't looking great, they were doing enough to win football games. And Max Crosby had really had a resurgence on the defensive side of the ball as an edge defender. But as of late, uh, the whole AFC West has just kind of faltered, and they kind of had some some rough weeks. And the Chargers and the Chiefs are really no surprise there that they kind of fall in that category as well. I still think that it's so wide open that every team here has a chance to win it, which is why earlier I mentioned that it was very confusing to me that the Denver Broncos basically shipped off their best player amidst a close division. But nonetheless, Raiders are the leader in the clubhouse. I would expect the Chargers and the Chiefs to make a very serious push. I think the Chargers are the more complete team, having a dominant offense and defense. But the Chiefs made a big play for Melvin Ingram. They got him in a trade just recently to hopefully shore up some of their pass rush woes on defense. And Patrick Mahomes has got to do a better job of taking care of the ball. And if they can do both of those things, shore up the defense, take care of the turnovers, and return to being an explosive offense, I think it's their division to lose, even though they are a game and a half out. So those are going to be our AFC division winners and basically who's the current leader in the clubhouse. Uh, Let's flip over to the NFC. And when we take a look at the NFC here, We'll start in the East, and our preseason pick was the Washington football team. They're currently sitting at 2-6 and six and look like a completely lost uh, squad. Taylor Heineke has pretty clearly proven that he's not going to be the guy for the foreseeable future here. And on the flip side of things, the Dallas Cowboys have looked like an absolute wrecking ball the last six weeks. Uh, They lose the opening game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's the only blemish on their record right now. They have a commanding lead of two and a half games over the next team, which is the Philadelphia Eagles at three and five. And really, when you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles are putting out there week to week basis, I'm, I'm not intimidated by them at all. I think Dallas, I mean, you could play Cooper Rush for the next couple games here and probably still win one or two of them while you get decked. Prescott back to full strength. So Cowboys have a commanding lead, and really I think I expect them to keep that going. I was not quite expecting this comeback from Dak Prescott and the defense to look as competent as it as it has. So testament to them, and I think that they're really going to be able to outlast it, and our pick's going to look terrible with the Washington football team. Moving on over to the NFC North, our preseason pick was going to be the Green Bay Packers. I wasn't buying into all the hype that everybody was talking about, that this team was going to be in shambles after all the drama this offseason. I actually figured it was going to be the flip side, that they were going to be pumped to have Aaron Rodgers back, and they were going to look like an absolute domination machine. And when you think about it, they had a very ugly week one. And 
I think you could chalk that up to just being like an extended preseason, lackadaisical in week one. But they've rattled off seven in a row here and are looking like one of, if not the best football team in the NFL, especially amidst all their injuries. And currently they're sitting at about a two and a half game lead as well over the Minnesota Vikings, who are three and four and look to be in complete disarray. So I would expect them to completely maintain this NFC North lead as they charge into week nine here. As we flip over to the NFC South, uh, our pick in the preseason was going to be the defending champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and no surprise there, they're currently in the lead. While it's only by a half game due to the Saints already having their bye, there is a little bit of a threat here, especially since they just lost head-to-head to to the Saints. Um, The Saints have very serious quarterback questions, so I don't believe that they can maintain it. It's a quarterback-driven league, and when your best player goes down, or excuse me, I shouldn't say your best player, but when your signal caller and the leader of your offense goes down, it's going to be tough to overcome that. I know Taysom Hill has some experience, but I think he's more of an offensive weapon than he is a uh, offensive leader um, or quarterback, as I guess we should put it here. So the the NFC North looking a little bit tougher than everybody was expected, in my opinion. But I still feel pretty confident about our Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick, even though they did lose head-to-head to the Saints. And to wrap things out and uh, finish them up here, we're going to go out west to the NFC West. And when you take a look at it, this, I predicted, was going to be the toughest division, toughest division in football. And I don't think we were that far off when we said that. This, the South has had a couple of things to say about this in the AFC West. But when you take a look at it, it's extremely top-heavy out West. The Arizona Cardinals and the LA Rams both sitting at 7-1. and one. The Cardinals currently with the, are the leader in the clubhouse there. And honestly, I think this division would be a little bit more tough if Russell Wilson hadn't got hurt. I think that he would just propel the the Seahawks to maybe one or two more victories against some of those lesser opponents. But really, it's going to be a situation worth monitoring here as the the Rams and the Cardinals show off down the stretch here. Who can maintain and who can really stay atop of the West is going to be a huge note, a huge note, seeing as the Cardinals are kind of reeling after losing J.J. Watt for the rest of the season. And they just took a huge loss against the Green Bay Packers on Thursday Night Football. And the L.A. Rams, on the flip side of the thing, added more talent in Von Miller to their defense and have already been a juggernaut on both sides of the ball. So I think that they could be the slight favorites here to win the NFC West. But I think it's going to be an absolute great showdown. Uh, our preseason pick was the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, that, that's not looking that great at this moment. But I also had picked the Arizona Cardinals to be the number one wild card. So I, if anybody's not surprised by how great they played, it, it might be me. I was expecting them to be about like 12-5, and five, not necessarily only one loss football team at this point. But I think the Rams are going to be able to, down the stretch, really take off. With that Sean McVay offense that's shown the ability to be dynamic in the run game and the pass game, and having Stafford as a signal caller really be in – one of the MVP favorites and propelling this offense to new levels. In addition to having one of the best defenses in the league, I think that the Rams are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And the entire NFC as a whole is just extremely top heavy. You got three teams, four teams with only one loss. And that's not even including the, the, the defending Super Bowl champs. So 
I think it's going to be an interesting stretch here to no doubt about it that, or to see basically who's going to win out in the NFC here. In the AFC, it's it's not quite as top heavy, but there's still some great teams. I think the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers being my preseason pick for the Super Bowl, still very much alive and well. So let us know your thoughts. Uh, we kind of rattled through that kind of quick, but I just wanted to give everybody a, a a status quo on where we were at with all of our preseason picks and kind of hold myself accountable there. So like I said, feel free to let us know your thoughts, who are your picks, what you thought of our picks as we continue to monitor us down the stretch. That's going to be it for this show this week. I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Once again, uh, hit subscribe. Make sure you give us a rate review. Reach out to us on Twitter. We always appreciate all the feedback and look forward to hearing what you guys had to say about each week's episode. So next week, uh, we're going to try to either get a guest on or uh, also just maybe do a mock draft. So we're going to have our midseason mock draft after checking in with uh, some of the college football stars and basically getting the, the draft order a little bit closer. So once again, appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see you next week.